0: Well, welcome. Good morning. It is uh, good to see you. It is good to see you. And those of you online, like Josh said, welcome. Glad that you are able to be part of the fam this morning. And um, you guys, can can I just break down all the, wait, why is John here, Heights Church, all of that stuff? Like, I'm here as a friend. Um, Scott is a dear, dear friend of mine. Um, I love him. Uh, COVID was actually what united us together. Uh, I didn't really know him before that, and when COVID hit, I don't know if you know this, but it was really hard on um, everybody, but especially those that were trying to lead churches. Um, and, and Scott, I watched Scott go through that process of, of of leading through that, and we just God gave us a kindred spirit. Uh, one of the things that I love about Scott is his authenticity. Um, he's one of the most authentic people. Whenever I hang out with Scott, he doesn't want to know the church stuff. He wants to know how am I doing. And we have this habit that we'll text each other. And and I just want you to catch it's a genuine friendship. This isn't me. I'm not up here posturing um, to give you a glimpse of stuff that you probably know about your um, lead pastor. But Scott uh, one day shows up on my doorstep and he's got a a bag in his hand. And he goes, you need to open it. And I'm like... What is it? He's like, Well, I'm not going to tell you. You got to open it. And so we sat, and, and for me, I was kind of at a milestone in my life. And, and wouldn't you know it, Scott's love for shoes. You guys know how Scott loves his shoes. Um, he showed up with a pair of shoes to kind of cap off this milestone in my life. And that's just who Scott is. And, and I'm so, you guys, I have had a sabbatical and it changed my life. Can I, can I tell you thank you on behalf of Scott? for, I know what it's like to have different speakers up here every week. I know it's a sacrifice for you, for the teams. I'm watching them scramble. Uh, You can pray for your teams over the next month. They're hitting that last third and it becomes really hard, right? It it becomes difficult. And so would you, just to cheer you on and cheer them on, like, well done giving him rest. Um, Well done. Um, some of you may be going, John, I know you, but some of you may be going, I have no clue who you are. So I would love to just take a minute to, to show you some really important people in my life. Um, these are my girls. Um, I have Cindy, who's here, Violin on the, the left side, and then Sierra, um, kind of in the middle on that side, Bailey, and then Farrah's the little one. Um, I have four girls, you guys. You know how to pray for me. Like, that was it, right? And, and so what happened was, is I have four girls, and I'm like... Babe, we have got to get some testosterone in this house. And so we got this guy. That's right. English Bulldog. Those of you that don't know, I'm English by birth. And so I was like, we got to go heritage and we got to go testosterone. So Lewis represents in the house. Um, And then um, wouldn't you know it, because I got four girls, these boys started showing up. And so Rylan is now married. Crazy story that that I'll tell you. Like, I leave here today. I get on a shuttle at one o'clock. Go to Phoenix, fly to Dallas, get in a car and drive 16 hours straight back here with my daughter, Ryland, because her and her husband are moving to Phoenix. Praise God. They will be two or what is it? 90 miles away versus 900. Um, I'll take that all day long. And then on the far side, Jake has now started showing up. Um, he is engaged to Sierra. They're getting married August 20th, um, but uh, our family is growing and they say, train up your, your kids, right? And, you know, in the way of the Lord and teach them what's right. And so this next picture shows you that they got bulldogs. So we did something right. We did something right. My girl that said she would never have dogs has bulldogs. They're like the most high-maintenance diva things on the planet. But you guys have been in a series um, called Invitation, right? And you've been invited. I want you to catch. You're included. You have an Invitation. And all summer long, you're being invited into different things, different aspects, right? And I want you to know that that you you. Uh, sometimes I think with church we 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 break into sections and we we. It can easily become us and them or people on the outs and who's on the ins. And but can I tell you, you're invited. If you're human and you're here, you're invited. This summer is all about you being invited um, to to explore First John and to also step into some specific invitations. Uh, our invitation today. Is, is really wrapped around this idea that we'll look at in a minute. But it's, it, it's this idea of staying, know, and do. Stay, know, and do. And I'll unpack that as we, as we roll out. But I got a question. Uh, do you, I don't think there's anybody in the room that would go, John, I don't want my life to be significant in any way, shape, or form. John, I, I don't want my life, when I give my last breath, to matter. No, everybody is going, I want to be significant. This is why our culture has gone the way it is with influencers, right? Everybody wants some kind of platform to be heard, to be significant, even more so as believers with all the gifts we've been given, that we've been given the Holy Spirit, that our lives should be one where we're going, man, I want to take it and I want to live it to the fullest. All right, some of you are probably like, is he going to go back and forth the whole time? I hate to tell you, yes, uh, the Lord made me to move. So I just move. It's just what we do. So, um, but here's the thing, like, like you've been given everything you need to live a significant life. And we're going to look at this morning, this idea of stay, know, and do, and how that fits into that. Well, what that looks like we're in first John, um, specifically we're in Chapter 2, and we roll into chapter 3 this week. Uh, I know you, some of you have been reading or been invited to read, and, and so you have an invitation today to, to stay, know, and do. Verse 28 of chapter 2 says this, And now... Dear children, I love, by the way, I've heard some of the guest speakers talk about this, but but this is Grandpa John, right? What well, you're getting in First John, this is like you're sitting down with your grandpa. You ever, you ever meet those people? Uh, I got a dear friend who he's at that age where he just doesn't care anymore. He doesn't care if your feelings get hurt. He's going to tell you what you need to hear. You know, one of those. We all need those kind of people. That's Grandpa John, right? That's, that's as he's writing this, he's telling us what we need to hear. And, and so he says, continue in Him, so that when He appears, we may be confident and unashamed before Him at His coming. Continue, continue in. Him. One of one of the favorite phrases throughout the whole New Testament that you'll find the the authors capturing is this idea that we are in Christ. That when we met Jesus, when we said yes to Jesus, our lives were actually placed in Him. We are hidden in Christ, and because we are hidden in Christ, we are secure. And there's a there's an image that God gave me years ago, and it comes like this that. That those of you, this isn't Jesus, by the way, those of you that think, oh, he got a little doll of Jesus. I'm not that religious. Um, this is Bruno out of Encanto. So we don't talk about Bruno, but today we're going to talk about Bruno. So um, Bruno, if, if he represents you and when you meet Jesus, right, what happens to you is you are placed in Christ, You are secure and you are in him. Now, what I want you to see is to see Bruno is to see the glass, right? And to see the glass is to what? See Bruno. When you were placed in Christ, right? When you, you were put in him, to see me is to see Jesus. Just like seeing Bruno is to see the glass, That to see you should be to see Jesus. It's impossible. It's impossible for you to not be in him, right? That is a position that you have been given because of the blood of Jesus. You are now placed in him. You are secure and that cannot be removed. Now, where it gets interesting is my life can look different than this image right here. Here, here, here's what I mean. He uses the word continue that word continue. For those of you that, that love tracking words and how they show up. If you go to John chapter 15, the word that we often translate remain or abide is that word continue. There's this idea. I, I like a translation that says stay, right? So we are to stay, stay put, don't move, stay put. Where are we supposed to stay put in him? Stay in Christ. That in him, what you've been given is the ability to stay. Don't move. Make it your ambition. To what? To anchor myself to stay. I showed you my boy, Lewis, my dog. You know what's fascinating with Lewis? I'll get get a treat for him, right? And And I tell him, I get him. People told me you couldn't train bulldogs. That's not true. Um, they're food motivated. It's probably like a lot of us, right? Um, but, but you take the treat and you tell him to stay. And, and something fascinating fascinating happens. He'll fight you at first, right? Because he doesn't really want to stay. He just wants a treat. But then he'll stay for a little bit, right? And so, so when he stays, then, then I'll try and push it as long as I can. You know, like stay, 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 get closer to the ground. And, and you can see him getting antsy, Right? And all of a sudden, he'll jump up and he'll grab the treat. And I'm like, nope, we're doing it again, right? I wonder how many of us, I wonder how many of us, when life gets a little hard, when, when, when things get a little uncertain, when something happens that we don't expect, or, or when this thing that the Bible talks about, and we'll get into it in a little bit, the, the, this thing called my old nature, that, that just wants to do what I want to do. I wonder how many times we're like the dog that, that, that we're, we're antsy. We're, we're supposed to stay stay in him, but we're so antsy that we just can't. I'll be honest with you. I've been in a season like no other in my life. Um, it's the first time that this last year and a half that I've gone to counseling in my whole life. Um, can I tell you that the, the last thing I want to do is stay? I'd love to run to every cheap solution to help solve what's going on in here. I'd love to run to, and I don't think people will know for, for um, a number of years yet, but just the toll that leading a church has taken on pastors. I mean, it makes sense, right? Right. If you're going to destroy the church, go after the shepherds. And for me, I made a conscious choice to go, I'm not going to bleed on those that I love. I know I'm going to bleed. I'm not going to bleed on those I love. I'm not going to bleed on our staff. I'm going to go sit with somebody who can help me. And I describe it like I walked in with a ball of yarn. And that yarn was just, I couldn't untangle it. And this counselor, this, she's been here before. Her name is Elizabeth. Um, but Elizabeth has just been a gift from God to me because she's been able to unravel the strands and help me stay in him. I love that in the midst of turmoil, when I would prefer to be the antsy dog that runs away, she's helped me anchor into who I really am in Christ. And I wonder for you, what, what is it today for you that you want to run away from? What is it for you today that wants to pull you away? Maybe, maybe it's not you want to run away from something, you want to run to something, and you know that something's not what you were created to be in Christ. And, and what John's getting at here is he's saying, stay, and, and I love that he says, when he appears, when Jesus appears, you realize Jesus is coming, right? You realize there's a time stamp on this whole thing. We don't know it, but He does. And what's beautiful about this is he says, when he appears, not an if, when, when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him. How do I live a life that at the end of this is confident and unashamed? I stay in him. Can I tell you this morning that if you do nothing else but abide in Christ, remain in him, stay in him, at the end of the day when God shows up, guess what? You will be confident and unashamed because you were right where you were supposed to be. To see you is to see Jesus. And you've lived your life that way. And he carries on then. Into the next verse, verse 29, he says, If you know, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. There's two words in there. One is no. And I would say this, that the, the staying, the more I stay, the more I abide in him, the more I'm connected, like it talks about in John 15, to the source. One of the things that happens is I know the source. So the longer I stay in Christ, the more I... And let's, let's keep it really simple, right? I'm a simple guy. If you haven't figured this out, this, you got to wait for somebody else way more profound than me to show up. But as a simple guy, here's what I know. That when I set rhythms and habits in place... In my life that are designed to keep me anchored, to help me stay. So, so, for example, what do I do when it comes to my Bible reading? Do I have a habit of that, right? Do I have a habit of prayer? Do I have a habit of Sabbath rest? Do I have a habit of how I use my generosity? Do I have a habit of how I treat others? What are all these things that help you stay anchored to him, in him, right? Right? But what happens is as I do that, what happens is I come to know him. And it says specifically here that, that if you know he is righteous, right? You know this about God. You've gained this knowledge about God. You know that he is righteous. Then there's another word that comes. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. So so now he goes to this word do right so so you've got this stay and when i stay i know and when i know it affects how i live my life and what i do and, and so if i know that he's righteous then i do what is righteous why because to see to see what to see you is to see jesus your your life should be a, a, an image a mirror if you like of of who he is my life should be an image. You should be able to see me and go, man, I, I've seen John and I've seen Jesus. But, but that becomes this thing of what I know I have to put into practice. I have, to, I have to do. And so as I gain this insight that God is righteous, then I step out and I do it. Chapter 3 kicks off with, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. Hey. If you hear nothing else today. Those of you that have stepped into relationship with Jesus. That have put your faith in him as your savior. You today are a child of God. You're a child of God. That, that, that. Wait, God-sized God, because we just sang about him, right? The God of the galaxies, the creator, the one who has a throne and sits on it as king, you, you, according to Grandpa John, don't miss that he so greatly loves you that he has made you children of the king. Oh, man, I love this part. I love it. Every time I ever get a passage like this, and here's why. It means that when you go to the brunch later or you go to the grocery store, you're not rolling in there as just whatever your name is, whatever your history is. No, no, no. You're rolling in there as a child of a king. You're a child of God. And he is madly in love with you today. Remember that, remember that piece about shame and confidence? How does he say we, we eliminate the idea of shame and not being confident? We, we just remain in him. And as we remain in him, one of the things we know is that we are. Remember, because we're knowing, right? What we know is that we're children of God. And he carries on then with that truth in place. He says, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So, so you catch what happened there, right? The, the in Christ, the staying, lets you know that you're a child of God. And as a child of God, it lets you know that you got a future. That when he appears, right, we will be like him. There, there won't be the need to, like, fight to stay. When he appears, we will be in him. We will be like him. Every single part of you will be like Jesus. That's your future. That's not up for debate. That's what's happening. So you can fight down here to create your own future. Can I tell you that when he shows up, what's going to happen to you is you are going to be transformed and you are going to be in the image of Jesus Christ. And what happens then, because you know that's your future. Look, look what he says in, at the end of this verse, verse 3. All who have this hope, your hope is in this future, right? All who have this hope in him, what? They have action in their life. What is that action? To purify themselves. Why? Why? Because we know he is pure. That, that, That word purify is to wash. It's an action. It's active. It's ongoing. And what am I doing? Knowing my future is in him. Knowing who I'm going to become right here and now I begin to live like that's real. See, you don't have to live like this is a reality, but I'm telling you it's a reality in your life. When you said yes to Jesus, you're in him. That's not up for debate. And what happens is, what happens is now, as I stay in him and I know my future, I can start moving. I can start bringing that future present. And what does that mean? I can purify myself. I can wash my life in the blood of Christ today. Why? Because he's pure. He's the source. So what I do in my life is actually coming from him, right? Right? I don't know about you, but Grandpa John, it's getting a little tough when you start talking about purifying myself. Have you not seen the world we live in? It's a little rough down here. I think John would look at us and go, it's no different than it's been at any other point. Sin is sin and people are people and they're broken. I think he would take us to places like Corinth and go, yeah, things are bad. But it doesn't give you an excuse not to purify yourself. But what is that based on? It's based on the fact that I am in him. And I know. I know I'm a child. I know my future. So I take action now. So I stay. I know and I do. He moves on then. Verse 4. He says, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him, in Jesus... Is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. By the way, I'm going to thank my friend Scott when I see him, that he picked easy passages for us to come and teach, right? Like, but this idea, right? Of no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. OK, so, so that beginning of that, where it says, no one, no one who lives, no one who lives. In him. Guess what? Guess what that word lives is? Stay. It's the exact same word that's used in John 15. That's used in 28 that we just saw. And the idea is that I remain in him. Right? I remain in him. I stay in him. Okay? So, so when I stay, when I put into action what I've been given, that I stay in Jesus... That my thoughts, my life, I'm anchored and I'm centered in Jesus. Can I tell you what this verse says? I'm gonna read it so I don't mess it up. No one who lives in Him, no one who stays in Him, keeps on sinning. It's impossible. For you to be abiding in Christ, for you to be staying in Jesus, for you to be anchored in Jesus, focused on him, it is impossible for you to be there and continue to sin. You know why? Because the word sin has to do with missing the mark. The word sin has to do with God has a specific way that he wants things done. And when I don't live according to how God wants it done, I get off course just like an archer who takes an arrow back. They have a target they're aiming for. When they fire that arrow, which if, if I was doing it, this is what would happen. I would miss the target, you know. And, and so the idea being when I miss the mark, when I miss what I was aiming for, that is sin. When I do outside of what God intended for me to do. And so what he says here is when you stay in him. So, I, okay. Some of you look like you've been around church for a while. Is that an accurate statement? Is that fair to say? Some of you are analyzing how I'm interpreting this passage, right? You can grade me later. Give it to Scott. It'll be fine. But, but, but here's what happens. Sometimes when I'm around church for a long time, we get church glasses, right? We start talking churchy ways. We start like interpreting things through all this stuff we've got from way back here. Can, can we just wipe the slate clean for one second? Because too often in church what happens is this. Stop sinning. Right? We, we, we tell, tell especially young people over and over. Right? Stop sinning. Can I tell you that stop sinning equals a behavior management, a behavior modification way of life. What John, Grandpa John is telling us, the behavior modification, is would you just stay connected to Jesus? If you stay connected to Jesus, like a branch on a vine, right? If you just stay connected to Jesus, you don't have to worry about sin. So when we teach people about what God wants, let's teach them, let's not focus on sin and all the stuff they shouldn't do. Let's focus on the fact of what? That if you will stay connected to Jesus, let me help you do that. Let me teach you how to do that. Let me walk alongside you. Let me be a support to that. That if we will do that, we don't have to worry about the behavior modification. Because Grandpa John tells us, if, if, if you live in him, anyone who lives in him, right? If you stay, abide, remain, whatever words you grab onto, stay connected, whatever that is, if you will do that, you do not have to worry about sin. Because the, the antidote for sin is not me and self-effort and working harder. The antidote for sin is me staying connected to Jesus and the gift that I've been given that I am in him. The end of that's kind of scary. I'm not going to lie. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. That's talking habitual. That's talking continual. Um, I, I, would, I would, and this is just Grandpa John talking, not me. But I think what he's getting at is if you have a pattern of your life that sin is more powerful than Jesus, then maybe you don't know Jesus. And my encouragement to you, you got an amazing church. You got amazing people. You are amazing people. Can I encourage you that if you're sitting in a room or you're online and you go, man, I just don't I hear this and it terrifies me. Go talk to somebody. Doesn't mean you're not doesn't mean you haven't met Jesus. But it's worth analyzing, isn't it? It's worth looking at my life and going, if I've got this habitual sin that I will not give up and I care more about that than I do this, then maybe I need to go sit with someone and go, you know what, I think I got a problem. Can we, can we just, and Scott does such a good job at this, you guys, lowering the bar on it's okay to get help, it's okay to not be okay. He's probably one of the best people I've heard promote that message within Prescott, that it's okay not to be okay. And if you hear this and you go, John, this kind of like raises emotion and, and I'm fearful about it, then, then go, go talk to someone. That's okay. Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. I love that John is reverse engineering here, okay? So if we have stay, no, do, he's now reverse engineering this whole back end of this passage to go, hey, look at your actions to know where you're staying. Look at your actions to know what you know. He says very specifically that if you do righteous, right, if you do right, then you know what you belong to the God who is righteous, He's saying there's an easy way to get a barometer of how I'm doing in my staying. There's an easy barometer of how to figure that out. And it's based upon if I take an honest look at my actions. And when I look at my actions, do they speak more about me or do they speak more about Christ? Where, where do my actions lead me? And, and so in this, he's, he's reverse engineering backwards. He's, he's essentially saying this, that your life, your life is a billboard. And that billboard will promote. You think about a billboard on the side of the road, right? Whatever you see on there, it's leading you to what? Something else. It's leading you to a thought. It's leading you to a place, to an event. It has some reason for being there. And your life, what John's getting at in these last verses, is your life is essentially a billboard that people see and it should lead them on this trail backwards. Where? Back to the fact that you are in him. Why? Because to see you is to see Jesus. It's this beautiful roadmap. I was trying to think, just as the Lord was putting this together of, God, how, how do I just make it practical? Because it's a lot of lot of knowledge. It's a lot of insight. It's a lot of... And, and the Lord, in my sleep last night, this is a true story. My my daughter, Fair, the youngest, came and climbed in our bed at 2 a.m. Uh, I mean, just the worst timing for her to come in. She was a squirrely, like she would not lay still for nothing. Um, she was hot and she was cold and all that good stuff and... And at some point I drifted off, and um, while I was asleep, there was a conversation happening. And I don't mean to make this sound weird, it's just reality of what it was. I was thinking about being here, I was praying, trying to fall asleep, praying for you guys, and God said, take them back to part of your story. And, and so for, for myself um, and my wife, we had a moment, we had our, our two older girls, and if, if you can imagine, uh, we had the perfect, is it 2.5 is the perfect amount of kids? Well, we had our two, and, and we thought we were done. And if you look at that picture, you're like, John, you rewound the clock. What were you thinking? You knew better. You already had middle schoolers at that point. <laughs> That's a true story. I would be on an island somewhere today if I didn't have my little kids. But my wife started praying. Our kids had hit middle school. My wife started praying. She goes, she goes God, I, I know you're leading me to a new purpose. And, and so for language for the message, I would say that she just stayed. She didn't try and run out and do stuff over here. She just stayed. Lord, Lord what is the new purpose you're, you're leading me towards in this season? John's got his. He's busy doing stuff with church. But what about, what about me and our family? What, Lord, what, what are you leading me to? And it was through those prayers that, that things started to happen to us. And all of those pointed to a God who loves everybody. All of those pointed to a God who is the fatherless or is the father of the fatherless. All of those pointed to this idea that that the orphan really matters to God. And we started to have all these moments in our life where, where we just ran, I mean, super randomly, like I met a girl on a... She was 18, 19 years old, met her on a Friday night at 5 o'clock. And at 6 o'clock, she'd left her 10-month-old with us and gone. And we're like, okay, well, don't know how this works. This isn't legal, so here we go. And, and the Lord just worked us through it. And, and long story short, there was a, there was a moment where um, as we begin to discover this, we go, okay, God, what do you want us to do? And a gentleman came to our church on a Wednesday and said, when uh, I report my wife, DCS is going to remove my kids. But there's a wrinkle. She's pregnant and about to have the baby. And so as soon as the baby's born, it's going to be removed with her sister. And, And we just knew God had done the work from staying in him to knowing God had done the work that when that knock came at our door on a Wednesday and said, and the gentleman actually said, we would love John and Cindy to take our girls. And I'll be honest with you, When I said yes, the language was, we'll do it for a day or a lifetime. And here's what's funny. In the back of my head, I'm going, oh, they'll be fine. We'll get them counseling. Three months, they'll be back on their feet. This will be two and a half years later, we ended up adopting those girls. And it's a beautiful, beautiful story of redemption for those girls. I don't know what God's got planned for those girls, but it's something amazing. And here's the beauty. All God asked us to do was stay. And in the staying, we got to know him better. And in the knowing him, he led us to action. Where he just asked us, God, I remember my wife's comment where she went, she goes, John, how could we ever refuse a life that God brings to us? I'll be honest, I was selfish. My motives were like, uh, when am I getting to the beach? When am I, when am I uh, empty nester? Like I've been living for that day. And the Lord had totally different plans. Cornerstone, what does it look like for you to stay today? What does it look like for you to just anchor yourself connected to Jesus today? What would your, what would your week look like? What, 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 what has God been impressing on you? That you already know about him. That maybe you just have noticed his love more. Or maybe you just noticed that God is so patient and kind. I mean, we sang of his goodness over and over this morning. Because the question for me would be that if you are staying, then you've been given knowledge about God. And that knowledge is there so that you can step out and be like Jesus in this world. And so my my final question is this. What does it look like for you to be who God's called you to be? What have you been fighting against? What have you been holding against? What are you scared to step into? But according to Grandpa John, it's way better to do what you know. Because that comes from your staying. And so to see you is to see Jesus. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful this morning for you. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for letters. Thank you for just faithfulness that we get to see on the pages. God, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the change that it brings. God, I pray over our family here, our kingdom family, God. Would you help us to stay when we want to run? Whether it's from or to, would you help us to anchor in and be connected to Jesus? Would you guide us and lead us? Would you teach us who you are and give us the courage to be who you're calling us to be? And so, God, we're grateful for Jesus. Thank you for the cross that changes everything. And everybody said, amen.